do you think we could do that special you did at the nursing home? Um, the one with uh, Isaac? You want to sing, Isaac? You want to sing? Okay. All right. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Okay, let's turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Praise God for his love. Amen. Revelation chapter 3. And Brother Tim, would you lead us in prayer?
Amen. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. Revelation 3, 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. In each one of these churches, the first thing we look at is Christ. And that should be the way it always is, isn't it? The first thing we should look at is Christ with each and every church. In verse 14, once again there, it said, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Let's take a moment just to go back through each one of the churches and see how it starts. In Revelation 2 and verse 1, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, who is this one um, that holds the seven stars in his right hand? Who is this one that walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks? Well, if you go back to chapter 1 and verse 13, chapter 1 and verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks was one likened to who? Son the Son of Man. So it's Jesus. That's who it is. It's Jesus. Um, if you look then back in Revelation 2, 8, the next church was Smyrna, Revelation 2, 8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Well, who is this one that's the first and the last? Who is this one which was dead and is alive? Well, if you go to chapter 1, verse 17, 117, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am what? The first, the first and the last. I am he that what? Liveth, Liveth and was what? Dead. 
dead. So it's Jesus it's referring to. Um, in, back in Revelation 2.12, Revelation 2.12, the next church is Pergamos. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Well, who is this one that has the sharp sword with two edges? Look at Revelation 1.16. Revelation 1.16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Well, this whole passage here in chapter 1, it's, it's Jesus is who it is. Um, look in Revelation 2.18. That's the next church, Revelation 2.18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith who? The Son of God. So it comes right out and tells you, Who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Well, it tells us right there in the verse. But if we also um, go back to chapter 1 and verse 14, 114, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as what? Flame of fire. fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they what? Burned in a furnace. furnace. So it's Jesus once again. Um, As we move on to the next uh, church in Revelation 3, 1, Revelation 3, 1, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that have the seven, hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy, well, then it gets into the works there, so we'll stop there. Um, if you compare that to Revelation 1, 16, it talks about um, the, the stars. 1, 16, and he had in his right hand what? Seven stars. And then if you go back to Revelation 1 4, Revelation 1 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the what? The seven spirits which are before his throne. So once again, um, the, to the church in Sardis, that was Jesus. And then Revelation 3, 7 is the next church. Revelation 3, 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Now, if you compare that with Revelation 1.18, Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have what? The keys of hell and of death. And then the last church in Revelation 3.14 is the one we just read, is Laodicea. Revelation 3.14, and under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, 
the beginning of the creation of God. And if you compare that to Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, and from who? Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In each case, each church was first given a vision of the Son of God, of Jesus. And in our lives, the first thing we need to focus on is Jesus. He is our example. Um, notice, if you would, with me, please, in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, 21. Jesus is to be our example. 1 Peter 2, 21. It says, for even here in two were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us, what? An example that ye should, what? Follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So Christ is the example. It's Christ that's building his church. Notice with me in Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and verse 18. Usually on a construction site, there will be uh, one, what is sometimes referred to as a general contractor, and he's, he's in charge of, of the building, whether it's a house or a commercial building. And then under that general contractor, many times there's many subcontractors. Plumbers, electricians, uh, concrete guys, um, siding guys, roofing guys, insulation guys, drywallers. It's just all kinds of people. But they have to follow the blueprint. They have to answer to the general contractor. And the general contractor has to answer to the owner of the building or the house. But in Matthew sixteen eighteen. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, what? I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, maybe sometimes we slip up in, in, uh, in our terminology, uh, but, you know, some, sometimes people may refer to themselves as a church planter, and that's not necessarily calling themselves a church builder. Uh, but we have to remember that Christ is building the church. Um, he's God. He is the, if I can use the terminology, he's the general contractor. He's the one in charge, and we have to answer to him, not to other people, but to him. What if, you, what if you hired a general contractor and you gave him your blueprints and said, I want you to build a house and this is how I want it, just like the blueprint. But you went and uh, while they were roughing in the house, you went in and you saw, you saw the laundry room had been changed from the main floor to the basement. And you said, well, what is this? I want the laundry room on the main floor. I'm getting up in years, and I don't really want to go up and down the stairs anymore. Uh, and what, what would happen if the general contractor said, well, 
Uh, I just thought it was better in the basement, so get over it and live with it. What would you say? <laughs> you have to answer to me, sir. <laughs> uh, you, all the subs may answer to you, <laughs> but you answer to me, sir. Okay. Uh, so what if you decided then to uh, make your garage 16 feet wide instead of 24 or 28? And you said, what are you doing? I have two cars. I need a two-stall garage. And he says, well, um, you know what? <clears throat> They're outlawing gasoline cars in New York and in California, and we're all going to be riding horses anyway. So I just thought I would save you the trouble and not have all this extra room. How well would that go over? No. No, you've got to follow the blueprint. The general contractor answers to the homeowner. Um, what if he decided to cut down your bathrooms from two to one? Uh, would that be okay with you? No, no. You see, there's a blueprint, and Christ is the one building the church. We are helpers together with him. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're not the one in charge. He is. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But what? Ministers. And once again, what does minister mean? Servant. Paul and Apollos were just servants. They were ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but what? God gave the increase. Why? Because he's the one building the church, not us. Verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth, what? Anything. Neither he that watereth is anything, but who? God. God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to what? His own labor. His own labor. For we are laborers together with who? God. With God. Ye are God's Husbandry, ye are God's building. So with each church, back in Revelation here, with each church, the focus was first Christ. After that, it brought up that particular church's works. So before, before we get into the works, before we get into serving Christ, we've got to make him our example. We've got to make him our focus. So let's go back to Revelation 2 and verse 2. So in verse 1, we're talking, Revelation 2, 1, we're talking about Ephesus. Now, now that the focus is on Christ, now he says in verse 2, 2, 2, I know thy what? Works and thy labor and thy patience 
And then Ani goes down and commenting about that. So the works only come into focus after Christ is fully in focus. Then in chapter 2, in verse 9, uh, verse 8 was talking about Smyrna. In verse 9, 2, 9, he says, I know what? Thy works. So verse 8 is the focus. It's Christ, then the works. Um, in Revelation 2, 12 was Pergamos. And notice in the very next verse, verse 13, I know what? Thy works. But verse 12, the focus was first Christ, then the works. Um, in Revelation 3, 1, uh, let's see, 2.19, I'm sorry, I've skipped one here. Um, in 2.18 was Thyatira, focusing on Christ. And then the next verse, verse 19, I know what? Thy works. Then Revelation 3, 1, we're talking about Sardis. And right in the verse, the focus is on Christ. And then he says right in the middle of the verse, I know thy works. Revelation 3, 8, we saw uh, in 7 as the angel of the church in Philadelphia, the focus is Christ. Verse 8 says, I know what? Thy works. And then as we read in Revelation 3, 14, it's bringing up the Laodiceans. The focus becomes Christ. And then in verse 15, he says, I know what? Thy works. In every one of these, every to every church, the focus was always Christ. He is the example. He is the standard. He is the focus, not other people. Uh, we have to answer to him. He's the the general contractor. He's God. He's the one building his church. And we must answer to him. He's got to be our focus before we start in with what is the proper works. Are we following Christ? Um, notice in John 5, in verse 22. John 5, 22. One day we'll stand before Christ to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Unsaved people will also stand before him, but at the great white throne judgment, um, they will stand before him condemned. We will stand before him not condemned because Christ is our Savior. But in John 5.22, the Bible says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto who? the Son. So we will stand before Christ. Now, in that day, as all these churches throughout our lives, is our focus Christ? Is our example Christ? You know, we live in a world where we have eyes to see. And as long as we have eyes to see, it'll be so easy to uh, be led astray by the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so will we decide that we have a better way uh, to serve Christ than his example? I hope that's not the conclusion we come to. But notice with me in 1 Samuel 15, um, the first king of Israel did get to that point, 
he did think he had a better way than God's instructions. In 1 Samuel 15, in verse 13, 1 Samuel 15, 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, What? They have brought them from the Amalekites. For who? The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest, what? We have utterly destroyed. Notice how he distances himself. God told him to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Everything. Uh, You look back in verse 3. 1 Samuel 15, 3. Now go and smite uh, uh, Amalek. And what? Utterly destroy destroy what? All All that they have and spare them not. People and animals. Well, Saul did not do that. The army of Israel did not do that. And so when he comes back there in verse 13, you know, he's saying he's obeyed the Lord, which he has not. Samuel says in verse 14, why do I hear these animals? You were supposed to utterly destroy everything that breathed in Amalek. Why do I hear all these animals making noises? Verse 15, he, he said, they have brought them. The people spared the best of the sheep. And, of course, they did it to sacrifice to the Lord, he said. But then, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So he distances himself from the disobedience. So, in verse 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast what? Little in thine own sight. Was Saul little? No. He was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. When when people walked in Israel, if Saul was in the crowd, you could see his whole head above the crowd. He was that much taller than everyone else. But it said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, when he was chosen to be king, um, did he just immediately become outgoing and just take charge? No. When it, when it come time to find him, to anoint him as the Lord's anointed king, what did he do? Do you remember? He hid. He hid himself among the stuff. When all the sons of Kish were, were brought, none of them were it. And they had to search and find him. He was hiding. He was little in his own sight. Even though he was tall, he was little in his own sight. Was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go, and what? Utterly destroy destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, 
but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. And, Sam, and Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, what? I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But what? The The people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in what? Obeying Obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, what? To obey obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. What would happen if you told your children, um, I've got to go on an errand, and I'll be back, and I don't want you going anywhere. I just want you to stay home and do this or that. And so you got home, and... And they were offering you Klondike bars. And he said, where did you get those Klondike bars? Oh, I rode my bicycle to the store and bought them. I thought I told you to stay home. But, Mommy, I bought these for you. I would like one, too, but I bought these for you. Would you be happy? No, they did not obey. Nor did Saul, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and what? Idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Finally, Verse 24, and Saul said unto Samuel, what? I have sinned. sinned. A little late, but he finally admits it, that he had sinned, that he had not obeyed. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, if we have not followed his pattern, then what we're going to find is ashes, from our works. With every one of these churches, he is the pattern. In 1 Corinthians 3, and I've got to find my place here, let's get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we read the first part of it here. Um, let's start now in verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what? What sort it is. It's not how much. It's what sort. There was a man that was at Hathaway Hills today that's a... uh, I guess it'd be a son-in-law of one of the residents. It was the first time we had had a chance to meet him. And uh, at the end of the service, um, he just thanked us from his heart for coming. And um, he, he is just so thrilled that his mother-in-law 
is able to attend a church service in there, and obviously he was a kindred spirit with what he heard, the songs and the message. And Now, what would happen? I, and I told the, boy, the man, I said, uh, because he, I, I thanked him for coming, and he said, it was a joy to be here. And I said to him, it's a joy for us to come and minister to these people. Now, what would happen, though, if before we left the house, if I said to my wife, I wish we didn't have to go to Hathaway today. I'm tired. I don't feel like going. But I know we have to. So I'll endure it, and I'll go. But then when, I said, when he said to me, it was a joy being in the service, and I responded, it was a joy to be here, what would I be? You can say it. A liar, right? Yeah, I would be a liar. Uh, and you know, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, you know what? If we're just lying, what's, what's there going to be on the conveyor belt? Ashes. Ashes, no reward, just ashes. I may, I may dream of a golden crown coming out of that heavenly machine or whatever, whatever it's all going to look like, I don't know, but just a pile of ashes. The fire shall try a man's work of what sort it is. Verse 14, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You know, there's just a, there's just a kindred spirit uh, when serving the Lord. There was a, just before the morning service this morning, the phone rang, and my wife and I was in the office, and uh, so, so she said, the phone's ringing, and so I went and answered it, and it was a man, um, I forget what state he was from. Oh, it's where all the physicians are. Bob, where's that? Maryland, okay. <laughs> all right, he's from Maryland, and he, he wanted tracks, and, and we've sent to him before, and I said, well, how many tracks would you like? And, well, three to 5,000, okay. How many Bible courses do you want? And, and you know what he said to me before he hung up? He says, I love you guys. I love you guys. I was on the phone with one of our missionaries once, and he said that same thing to me. I don't know if it was Brother Matichera or Brother Wall. And he said, he says, I love you. And I says, I love you too. And my wife says, who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> well, the missionaries? <laughs> Maybe I better put it on speakerphone all the time. Huh? Get covered, you know. Uh, but there's that love, isn't there? Um, who was it? One of the services today? Um, I think it was two of the residents, but they're just saying they were sisters. And um, I know with, with Brother Steve, I don't know, we were somewhere once and someone asked, you know, you know, related? And I just said, we're brothers. And Steve, Brother Steve laughed and and I said, brothers in the Lord. Um, so, okay, so 
Uh, we want to be thoroughly honest, don't we? Uh, we? We don't want our work to end up in ashes. So we want to follow the Lord and be pleasing in his sight. And so we want to stay in the word. Um, in closing here, let's go to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Only God knows if each of us are really willing to do that. Right. He's the only one that really knows. But I pray each of us, from the sincerity of our hearts, would do that would present our bodies a living sacrifice. Isn't that what Jesus did? He did, literally, didn't he? He presented his body a living sacrifice. He died on the cross for us. And we are to what? To follow what? His steps. So we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to what? This world. world. You know, we're no different than David. Why did David put the ark of God on a cart? Because who did it? The Philistines did it. The Philistines put the ark when they came and conquered Saul and his, and by the way, it was an Amalekite who claimed responsibility for finishing off King Saul. Whether, whether he was lying or not, he, he claimed that he finished him off. And for that, David had him killed. Um, so he should have listened to God and utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But, but they conquered Saul and Jonathan and the armies of Israel, and then they took the ark, and God plagued them. And so when they sent the ark back to Israel, they put it on a cart and, and had to uh, milch uh, cows, uh, take it back home. And so when, when David then becomes king and he wants to move the ark to his city, he puts it on a cart And what happened as a result? Uzziah dies. The cart shook, and Uzziah touched it, steadied the ark, and he immediately was killed. What did David do? David was following the world. He was using worldly means to try to do God's work. And for it, a man died. And you know what? We're no different than David, are we? We have eyes. We see what... We see what, I can't think of the word, Um, we see what the world uses to accomplish tasks, and if we're not careful, sometimes we try to mimic it in the work of God, but it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that's in the word of God that you may prove what is that good and what? That is a big word. You may say, well, I can spell that. I don't mean that. I mean, how much of what we do 
is really acceptable before Almighty God. And how much of it, well, we're just doing our own thing. And it's not really acceptable. The problem is, is at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to find out if it was acceptable to God. Because if it wasn't, what's going to happen? Ashes. Ashes. That you may prove what is a good and acceptable and what? Perfect will of God. That's the blueprint. That's following the pattern he left. And so we'll get more into the church of Laodicea, but I thought as we reach this last church, it's good just to go back and refresh our memory with every church. The focus started out on Christ. And if, if our focus, if our focus is not on Christ first and foremost, um, our works are not going to be acceptable to him. They're not going to be pleasing, and they're not going to bring rewards someday. They're going to bring ashes, and we don't want that to happen. So may the Lord help us each and every day to start out with our focus on Christ in the Bible reading, um, praying, asking God to help us because this world, all day long, this world is going to try to pull us its way, and, and we don't want to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us, Lord, because our hearts are desperately wicked, and they deceive us. And Lord, we just, we just need fresh information from you, from your word every day to keep to keep reminding us of what the pattern is, to keep reminding us of what is acceptable to you and what is not, to keep reminding ourselves of we want to live in spirit and in truth because anything other than that is not going to be acceptable someday. It's not going to bring any rewards. So, Lord, we're crying out tonight for your help. We're, we're crying out, Lord, for wisdom and discernment. Uh, we're crying out, Lord, for direction because we want to please you. We want to hear, well done, O good and faithful servant. So, Lord, please help us and guide us this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.